Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 54 of the Business Handmade Podcast by Kevin Kramer and Kim Kramer. <laughs> I'm Kim Kramer. And I'm the other one. <laughs> we're so formal today with our last names and everything. I think we're just excited because we don't have a guest this week. Um, Is that just exciting? Be us. It's exciting when it's just us? It's just a different dynamic, you know? Let me take off my glasses for this. We can be <laughs> casual with each other. <laughs> we're boring. I don't know. Well, probably not too boring because I have some questions I'm going to ask you, but um, is there anything you want to talk about, about first before I start springing these on you? Yeah, last weekend, Wine, Jazz, and Artisan Festival at Tranquility Farms was a hit. Did you um, like it? I liked it a lot. I didn't have any wine because I was working all weekend, um, and it Kim, was, obviously, really since hot. she's pregnant, but it was very hot. Everybody still came out. Yes, but I think I, I, I was commenting on the fact that you didn't drink because I think if there was a little bit of a breeze or a chill in the air you might have had a glass of wine but I think because it was so hot and you were back and forth you were just trying to like stay hydrated what did you walk 16 miles or something crazy like that? yeah over the weekend I walked 16 miles just walking around and making sure everybody was set up and making sure everybody had coverage if they needed to leave their tent just doing all of those event management type things which actually like kind of goes into the what goes on behind the scenes Mm -hmm. you know we talk about that you and I obviously being married, we talk about how funny it is sometimes that we do things and people don't realize that those are the things that we do. Like um, when we were having Spring Fest two weeks prior mm-hmm. to uh, Wine and Jazz, within that first hour, it's critical for all hands on deck as like we're opening up and it's it's a partnership, the event. It's, you know, Tranquility Farms, it's James on Main, it's Zigmeister that for Spring Fest I'm talking about and us. But within that first hour, little things pop up like, you know, there's a hole in the ground that we need to put a sign or something over so no one trips and falls. And like those things that there isn't a person that does that. It's kind of just like whoever is available to do that is there to do it. Or like there are no more paper towels at the bathroom. Like We have to get that. Or someone dropped a glass in the porta potty. We have to go clean that up. You know, it wasn't inside the toilet. It was on the floor. So we had to clean it. And just like little things like that. Or we don't know how to start the generator um, does someone know how to do that? So then, of course, you knew how to do it. So yeah, we just, just take funny. we just take pride in our events, and I am walking around making sure that every aspect is taken care of, even if it's not something that we anticipated. And you know, if a garbage is full, I'm just going to do it. You know, right? You have to make sure that nothing's beneath you. Basically, yeah. there's no janitor. There's no um, and, and it's you a know, reflection and, of and us. Like, Seriously though, like janitor work is not easy work. It's hard work, but I'm not. I'm not making light of that. I'm, make, I'm no saying like there is no person. Yeah. It's just it's us. Like there's no staff that's designated to do that. It's whoever is available to do that. And most of the time, you're willing to do it. I, or you're all of the time you're willing to do it. And most of the time, it ends up being you that does something like that. Thank you very much. Yes. Well, um, especially now that I am the size of a beach ball, <laughs> I can't exactly be you know like sweeping up glass in the bathrooms and stuff. Yeah, but this event like going to pass out <laughs> for for a first time event. You know, we haven't done a wine or a winery event in a while. This is only our second one, and the first one being at a winery, which was completely different. Yeah, but it was it was great to see it come to fruition because we've been talking about it for a long time, and we got to work with two different wineries, mm-hmm. um, Unionville Vineyards and White Horse Winery. Um, and they both came with pallets and pallets of oh wine gosh, yeah. to sell by the bottle. Um, and they were also doing tastings so people could pick out the perfect bottle to enjoy on the lawn. 
um, you know, taste it before they buy it. So there was a lot of moving pieces, a lot of things happening. Um, and obviously a lot of really staff too for the wineries. Most impressive, you know, not just the staff. We'll talk about that in a second. But like White Horse, I know that their winery is in um, Hamilton, but I think I'm not sure if their tasting room is based in Delaware or just their vehicle is registered to Delaware or whatever. But if you think about how far they had to drive, they're like two and a half hours away. They came up um, Sunday morning because Saturday they had run out of wine, so they had to come up and bring more wine, and that's not. That's not close. That was no. a far drive. But really, this type of show is something that I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I, I think you're more partial to the beer events, but the wine um, event, and not just because I like wine, but I think just the vibe of, of a wine and jazz festival is different than a lot of the other stuff we've done, and it's been something I've always wanted to do. It felt very different than doing the brewery or the beer-related uh, events for us. It was much more relaxed. The demographic was a little bit different. Yeah. Um, the vendors that we had were a little bit different because we try and tailor what we're showcasing to what type of event it is. Um, so it really gives it a different vibe. And I think the customers that are coming in appreciate that the food pairing and the wine and the, mm-hmm. the music, you know, everything is a little bit different so that they get to enjoy it in a different way. And we talk about knowing your demographic, like from the maker perspective often, but I don't know that we talk about it so much from our perspective. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'd say the majority of the time, our demographic, even though we do a lot of beer events, even though we do a lot of things that you'd almost in your mind perceive our demographic to be like younger and male, it's actually middle-aged and female, mm-hmm. yep. um, even with the breweries, because it's families that are coming out to those. It's not just like single dudes that are coming to the brewery for our show. It's, you know, couples and families. Um, but it's really cool when we get to kind of challenge ourselves a little bit. And we went really hard advertising Wine & Jazz. I think we work really hard on all of them. Um, but we, that one in particular, we right, really we put the pedal to the metal because it was different for us. We knew it was different. Maybe it's a similar demographic to like Winter Village. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in general, just we changed the pace. And I think that's a a cool way to challenge yourself as a business owner to definitely, you know, it sounds maybe a little cliche, but we stepped outside of our comfort zone for that. And we're so fortunate that we have a good relationship with um, Kevin Ashuto of James on Main and with the farm at this point that mm-hmm. we were able to kind of have those consistent pieces of the farm and of Kevin and of us being there, but then switch up things that, you know, we knew we could manipulate right. to tap a new demographic. And now we have all those new followers um, that were interested in wine and jazz that now we'll see all the other stuff that we have going on. So I think you have questions for me, right? I do. What What is the theme of this question and answer? Um, just like, hmm, I guess, you know, so we talked a little bit about the behind the scenes of our business, but, you know, before, but... Mm-hmm. These are maybe some behind-the-scenes questions that we haven't really covered, and I wonder if other business owners experience this with, you know, even when we talked to, like, Aiden of Global Sawdust, we were talking about how his mom is, like, his chief marketing officer, and, you know, he gets his dad involved and his brother, and so many of the makers in our network have that. Everybody plays a role. They, yeah, tap a spouse, they tap, you know, a sister or a brother or parents or whatever, so... These businesses are very family run and family oriented, mm-hmm. and I guess my questions all have to kind of do with that, like the challenges of working with me. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> Try not to trap me. No, there's no trap. So, 
This one's not about me. What has been the most invaluable connection you've made in our business? Oh man, there's so many. How do I just pick one? That's And I didn't give you any time to prep this. You've never seen these questions. That's a hard question because we work throughout the state with so many different people and venues and groups that they're all really important. Um, wow. Uh, I have to just pick one? Yeah. Um, probably... I mean, can I use a cop-out answer and say you? Because you're my business partner. Yeah. Oh, you can't And without that. you, I couldn't do this business <laughs> at all. I'm not a new connection, though. Um, you as a business owner is a new person. <laughs> That's way too hard because when you think okay, about... so give me a general answer. When then. you think about, you know, our work with Winter Village and working with Paul Muir of the Red Mill, like, that is such an important connection for us because not, over, not only is it the most... Um, elaborate event that we do annually he's also introduced us to so many people either in town or connected to either nonprofits or the mill itself Mm -hmm. that he is really a really great connection point and we've learned so much to use in our other events as well yeah that i think he definitely is one um i think working with matt ziegler of zigmeister like he's connected us with so many people because he was one of the first events that we started doing and finding our niche and finding our people um and then he connected us with downtown hackettstown he connected us with with kevin of james on maine and the highlands coalition he connected us with the highlands coalition so i'm thinking about all of these people that not only do we have a great working relationship with and we've gotten business from but we've been able to grow ourselves yeah. you know and then working with kevin of james on maine he connected us with tranquility um he's constantly looking at ways to build these events and and spread them to a larger demographic right um that we've learned so much from him and even too. if he's afraid he doesn't let on that he is afraid because you know we went into these meetings with the wineries and i think at the, by now we have our pitch down yeah. right like it's an elevator pitch and so i kind of know what we're going to go into it and say but you know kevin came prepared with all of his data and just that confidence that like, yeah, this is going to work and it's going to be a success. And it is. And I think it's that relationship that we have with him is important too, because sometimes I'm like, you got to talk me off a ledge. I'm nervous about it. And, and he talks me off the ledge. And then I find out on the day of the show, (laughs) he's like, no, I was on the ledge too. I just did a good job of talking you off the ledge. I think, Um, (laughs) I think the relationships that are the most important to grow are the ones that are mutually beneficial where you're both walking away with more than you put into it. Right. You know, if we're bringing something and our partner is bringing something, but we're both helping each other out so that we're growing exponentially both ways, that's the best relationship you can have because you have that support there, you have that knowledge sharing, and you're walking away with something that you would have never achieved by yourself. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, you're talking about how, like, there's mutual benefit and partnership We've also definitely been um, in situations where we've met with people that are looking for us to almost like save something that's mm-hmm. failing. Talk about that a little bit. Like, what is that? What has that been like as the business owner? And how does that make you feel? It's hard because I usually see opportunities in everything, whether it be a big opportunity or something small. So there have been instances where people have approached us saying, oh, I have this great idea for an event, we would love you to partner with us. And it seems really good on the outside, 
But when you dig a little bit deeper, you find that maybe it's just not going to work. Either it's not the right location, it's not the right demographic, there's not enough support. Um, on the other side, you know, we don't want to build something from scratch. We want to partner with somebody that has something to bring to the table so that we reach that next level. Yeah. Um, so those conversations are really tough because you can walk away with all of these positive things, but there might also be a conversation down the line saying like, we can't really do what you want us to do right now. Mm -hmm. We can revisit that later, but it's not really in the scope of what we want to provide right now, just personally for our business, because we also have expectations too. Yeah. So it's really like a give and a take, but you have to kind of think of it in the positive light where you're going to be walking away with something, whether it's a really good connection, really good brainstorming session, um, you know, something, it's not always a loss I always see the opportunity in in every connection and conversation that we have I think it always goes back to like having those connections in your back pocket and Mm -hmm. meeting people and it's so true because we've met with so many people over the years where maybe in our earlier years and not that we're that old like the business Mm -hmm. itself is not that old but we've grown and we've had to almost say no to certain things to be true to ourselves and what we want for this business and we talk about that all the time with the makers that we interview on the podcast like how important it is to know yourself and know your truth and 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 sometimes say no just so that you can stay close to that because if you lose sight of it then you're working for other people and you're going to burn out and that's going to make you miserable that episode was like in one of the first 10 episodes that we did was saying no like that was a big thing that we had to learn it's maybe even the hard way because we probably did things that we shouldn't have done just because we wanted to say yes because people are nice and Mm -hmm. you want to be able to help people and make those connections and above everything else i think the community is so important to us Mm -hmm. which also sounds cliche but it really is like you and i both have hr backgrounds and we're people 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 person people yes and we are people people (laughs) we're people people And we like to have that connection and we hear where people are coming from with like Mm -hmm. their concerns and where they see their town and where they see this event going and, you know, what they want for their, what, you know, insert venue here, whatever that place may be, what they want it to be. And I think that a lot of those places do have potential, but sometimes we're just not there Um, especially if we've never worked in that county, like, you know, you talk about like algorithms and advertising and all of that. And we've spent years kind of building up this following and our following is probably more in the Northwestern corner of New Jersey than it is, than it would be if we were to go down to Cape May, because Mm -hmm. that's just where we are. And there are makers who drive, who drive up to us from Cape May, um, because they don't have a lot of stuff going on down there. But I think to start fresh and like, it's going to take like market research too. It takes time to build something like that. You know, and we talked about how this is not our first winery event. We did one at a winery and the learning curve there is that when you travel from North Jersey to South Jersey, you don't have to just think about advertising and like who's going to come to this. You have to think like, okay, well, the people in South Jersey, if it's summer, they're at the beach. They're not really necessarily coming to a Mm -hmm. winery. We did have people that were coming. We had people that were taking buses there and making a day of it. But when you want a huge turnout, I think that's a factor for one. And two, one of the biggest things we heard back in feedback from our makers was that if they were people from North Jersey who typically do North Jersey shows, the price point was off. They were like, we can't charge what we normally charge. We found people 
felt it was more like a flea market almost where they were trying to talk us down in price or not you know not to give it that cheap vibe but people thought they were way overpriced in their in their product price point where you know someone who from Jersey City is like you know no right. like that's New York prices like it's different so there's just so much that kind of goes into that too yeah absolutely and it just goes to show how much we've learned from our smaller earlier shows to now doing the bigger productions i mean i immediately am thinking about low nickel brewing where we started working with them in their loft space and we had you know 14 6 by 6 spaces something very small but we were starting out um pretty successful. We had a lot of people show up and, and a lot of engaged shoppers. But then when you think about now, you know, we're not necessarily working at Lone Eagle because it's a little small for us now, mm -hmm. but we've transitioned that relationship to having Lone Eagle be our sole beer provider for Winter Village. Yeah. So you think about how much we cultivated that relationship with Todd, the owner, um, and how he trusts us now to do right by him and to give him this opportunity and to work together to make sure that he's very happy in his relationship with that event. And we're also very happy with his relationship with that event. And it's cool because those people that we've proven ourselves to um, over the years, even though it hasn't been that long, we've worked really hard mm -hmm. to do that. Um, those people would go to bat for us. So, you know, if we needed someone for instance we're, we're very lucky that john and bj of the two breweries we worked with you know this past weekend that they heard what we had to say and they mm -hmm. bought into it pretty much right away but if there was hesitation we know we could call todd we yep. know we could call paul and just be like hey can you vouch for what we do and they would and yep. i think that's so important like it is it is so much of us the business is so much of us but at the same time, it's so much of those relationships that we've cultivated, like you said. You know, we don't, we didn't just do this on our own. We did it by networking with people and and relying on the community. And we definitely rely on the makers who do our shows to spread the word about our shows. And when we hand out postcards all year long, we give them to customers at different events. If they like what they're seeing, they're going to tell a friend. Um, we give them to the makers to hand out at other shows as well. That's a good point. We've been talking so much about venue owners that we haven't talked about all of the makers that we've met with that have either taught us something new or connected us with somebody or cultivated a relationship with us. Just this week, we had somebody reach out to us on Instagram that we worked with at our <laughs> second show yeah. ever. And now they're in a different role and they're, they're doing events themselves, yeah, but they reached promoter. out to us and connected and it was so great to hear from her because we haven't talked in a while but you never know where that person is going to be four years down the line right. and now maybe there's an opportunity for us to either work on something together or cross promote um, or learn something so it's really cool you know the makers in our community are really tight-knit and also have allowed us to come in mm -hmm. and be among them and figure out where we can help each other along this path. And I think, you know, we've definitely had episodes of the podcast where we focused on feedback and why feedback is so important. And I think that us working with different people and from day one, we've been very open to feedback. We mm -hmm. send a survey after every event and, you know, we ask people as they're packing up, like, how'd you do? What could have been better? Blah, blah, blah. Um, because we're, we're not siloed. We're not just like in our own heads and what we want this to be and so closed off and almost like this little click because we're so open to getting that and giving and receiving that it's helping us build into a brand that is community-based mm -hmm. versus if it was just you and I with our vision 
um, and shutting everyone else out, like how far would that get us? You know, and maybe we are growing, maybe, you know, I don't know, like maybe we're not growing as fast as someone else might have wanted us to, but I feel like we're growing plenty fast for ourselves in order to still stay true to what we want this to be. Mm-hmm. And we're at this kind of point now where we want to make sure that you and I are still involved in the business, even as we bring people on to help us with shows and things like that, because we can't, you know, be in all of the places at all the times. And especially with me being pregnant, I think that's kind of yep. our concern now is like, you know, well, you're running the bulk of the shows this year because I can't. And, and what does that look like in the next six months? And then, you know, when do I transition back and mm-hmm. in what capacity and that sort of thing? Yeah. And I think to go back to that feedback point just for a second, um, I think it is just a testament to are the relationships that we've built when we do send out those surveys or we do ask somebody, you know, what your feedback is. We're not just getting like, oh, it was a bad show or, oh, it was a good show. We're getting details that help us make it better mm-hmm. um, because we're asking you know, important questions and we're making the connection and relationship with that individual person mm-hmm. that they feel that they can give us more information. Right. And they I, can tell us exactly how they felt, what they expected, um, what they saw and what they would do to improve it yep. instead of just saying like, oh, it's just not for me. Right. And they feel comfortable to do that. That's like, I think point. that's what you were yeah. saying. Like, they don't feel like they have to kind of tiptoe around the point. You know, yeah. they'll say like, this is what you guys did really well. Or like compared to that other show I did with you, this is what you did better than that show. Or this is what you did worse than that show. And this was my expectation. And, you know, things like the weather, you know, being super hot, like they know we can't change that. But like these are things that all factor into what kind of day did they have. Right. Um, the booth fee, of course, you know, their sales minus the booth fee is important to factor in. And like what things could we change? And I think one of the things that makes me feel the proudest is that we have those general like ranking questions like how did we advertise how helpful were we um you know things kind of in that range of like what can we control Mm -hmm. and for the last i don't even know how many years i think we've been consistently ranking pretty high in that because people know that you and i are going to be there they know what to expect of us they know they have our cell phone numbers they know Mm -hmm. you know if they need something they can let us know and then there's the other stuff that's like well, this was a new town for me. I've never tried this town before. And it turns out this town didn't like my product. Or, you know, hey, this was a new town for me. And everybody went wild. And this show blew this other show out of the water that I have been doing for the last 10 years. Yep. You know, I've had my best sales day in this one day here compared to a weekend there. And that, to me, like, blows my mind. That's phenomenal. Um, You know, but it's just like, it's someone's good day is someone's bad day. Someone's bad day is someone's good day. And it's interesting that we're able to collect all that feedback and get those different perspectives. Yeah, the feedback is important and it's only as good as the people giving the feedback make it. So I'm glad that people are comfortable talking to us, whether it be in person or over the anonymous survey, Mm -hmm. so that we can take those feedback points and make everything better. Right, and it is anonymous. They don't have to tell us their name, but a lot of them do because they know that they can and some people just don't feel comfortable because some people don't feel comfortable sharing how much they made. So either they'll share how much they made but not give their name or will not share how much they made but give their name. Which and is that's completely totally fine. fine. It yeah. just helps us kind of gauge, you know, what 
what you know that what we're doing i guess is right or that it's worth it basically yeah and it worth helps it for us, them worth it for us it helps us recruit new makers too that haven't done that show because if they're selling a certain product we can go back at the prior year's surveys and say oh yeah this particular product did really well this particular product maybe didn't do so well this mm-hmm. was the demographic this is about the range of what people were making you know, those are very important things yeah, to and share. Price points of like what people are selling for new people. Yeah, those are the questions we get asked. So I'm going to ask you another question. This one is a little bit more personal, but you can be completely honest. What was or is the hardest thing for you about running a business with your wife? Um, I think that we need to work on our communication a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, there are constantly things that I'm, you know, either working on something and it's all in my head, and I just expect you to know it. Um, or there are things that you're waiting for me to do and maybe I don't know it. So those communication things, like if I was working with somebody that I wasn't married to and living with, I would probably be more vocal to be like, oh, by the way, make sure you do this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. We just kind of assume somebody is going to do it. Yeah. Um, so that's probably the, the toughest thing. Yeah. And I think everything gets done and we, but even after how many years now, of doing this, um, there, I'm realizing now there are certain things you're really good at and certain things I'm really good at. And it's hard, I think, if I were to answer that question, it'd be like, it's how, you know, it's harder, it's more challenging to keep both of us equally motivated in this. And mm-hmm. maybe that falls more on me than on you. You know, I don't know, but like, I think it ebbs and flows. It does. And then it's like trying to also tap into what you're really good at and where you excel and where I excel and like, how do we divvy up the work appropriately so that we're doing the things that we feel most fulfilled by and the things that we're really good at? And, you know, I think everyone listening and everyone who's ever met you through this business knows that you are like our logistics guy. Like you're just there. You're really good at maps and instructions and Excel and and data and pretty much everything. But then the thing that I'm realizing more recently is like the vision of what those curated shows looks like is me. It's you have a lot the more artistic eye for sure. And I definitely need you to be the one to merchandise the layout of the event and look through everybody's products and figure out which one's the feature mm-hmm. um, and make those either posters or images so they're appealing to customers and vendors. Like that's all you. You have the artistic eye. I definitely like having the spreadsheet and making sure all the contracts are signed yeah. and like uh, being there on the day of and setting up the tents and making sure everybody fits in the allotted space and, that's um, not... and like the flow of things. Yeah. Like I'm always constantly thinking about, okay, the customer's going to come in here. They're going to hit these areas. We don't want, we want to make sure there's no bottlenecks. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, totally. That is 100%. On and the when same you page. look at that from the maker perspective, like I don't know that that's even an easy thing to sit there and think, well, these are the three three to five things I'm really good at versus what could I ask my dad to do, mm-hmm. what could I ask my mom to do. And especially if you're not paying those people, you know, which when you're just starting out a craft business, you're probably not paying them or maybe you're paying them very little. So it's like, where do you divvy up the work? What can you let go of um, in some areas where something might not be your forte? Like, how do you know what to give up and what to do and who to ask? Yeah, and we started doing that a little bit when you think about um, Melissa, who some people have met um, helping us day of at the shows mm-hmm. um, in the recent maybe one to two years. Um, we kind of 
had to divvy up some work and, and she's been posting on all the calendar sites for us. Yeah. So anything like NewJersey.com or New Jersey Monthly or, ev- you know, event sites, she'll be putting all of our information on there just because it's a lot of work for us to do um, in addition to all the other things that we're doing she's, for our yeah, business. Yeah, she's also there for like day of show stuff. And she gets it. Like but that's she, our start. That's yeah. our start of like bringing other people in and, and help having them help us out. Yeah, she understands how the business works and she understands our goal for advertising. So a lot of times she'll come to us and be like, have you seen this site? What do mm-hmm. you think? Should we pay for the membership for this site? Should we do this, that, the other? And these are all ideas that I feel like I don't even have the brain capacity to think about sometimes. So the fact that she's doing that on top of, you know, she has a regular job as well and then makes herself available for us on weekends to help with loading and, you know, helping the vendors just kind of know what to anticipate and where to go and set up. And then there's Josh, too, who Mm -hmm. has been and both of them, I think, have been with us for three or four years, actually, because they've both been doing Winter Winter Village Village with us since the beginning. So, um, well, when you think about Melissa, I think two weeks ago or three weeks ago. She sent us an email about festival.net and, you know, having a featured posting of an event if we put their banner banner. on our site. That's something that she found for us. And I think that was very helpful because we were then able to feature uh, Wine Jazz and Artisan Festival as like a spotlighted event on Mm -hmm. festival.net. So that was really good. Yeah. So I think each person has their own interest in the business that you have to kind of figure out how to leverage or even for Josh like today he texts you and and he hasn't done a Zigmeister event with you in a, in a bit it's probably since Mayfest two years ago or something like that um, but from his perspective he knows about vendor visibility and mm-hmm. where the vendors are most comfortable and you know what makes most sense for layout so he was texting with you today about like okay so what does this layout look like what you know what streets are we um on or you know how are we setting up where's loading etc and he kind of asks you similar logistics questions to like what you're planning because that's where his brain is yeah he's keeping us honest to make sure that we've thought about all those questions because he knows the day of um setup and he knows kind of the general layout that we've done in the past and now that we're moving to a bigger lot by Sigmeister, where we can kind of host all of the beer, music, vendors, food, all in one place, um, he had, you know, pretty good questions on how that'll all work yeah. and where customers will go and how vendors will get the most visibility, you know, in mm-hmm. that space. And admittedly, it's hard to find people who have that who care like interest, that. right, yeah. because you could go and ask you know, your local high school student or college student to intern with you or help with something. But unless they really truly have an interest in like data mm-hmm. or logistics or, you know, anything like that, they, they might not. And it, it, it takes time for people to know and to mm-hmm. kind of think ahead and, and ask those questions. That That's true of anybody. You know, when you're just starting any job, you might not know the right questions to ask and it takes some time. But when you're interested in it, I think it comes a little bit more naturally. So Definitely. We've been very lucky. Um, what has been surprisingly easy during this whole, like, starting a business, from the very beginning when we started the business, when we filed the LLC all the way through now, what has been, like, the easiest thing that you thought would be way harder? There are a couple of things that I thought would be way harder. I guess, for, number one, I think... Finding our first venues, I thought was going to be much harder than it was 
But then once you got talking to certain people, they just came. Like, it just worked out. You know what I mean? (laughs) Especially Sigmeister. I mean, we just, on a whim, Facebook messaged them. That was you. That was you. Because we liked their beer. And we were like, hey, is there any interest in maybe doing an event? And that, you know, was a very easy conversation because they were already thinking about things that they could do on their own. So we kind of came to them at the right time. Yeah. That happened with uh, Winter Village too. Because but when Red you think about was thinking about Red Mill, something. I mean, you yeah. drove up there one day and then you called me coming back saying like, I have a really good feeling. I think it went really well. So that was like, we were a nervous wreck because you're starting a business as an event company, but where are you going to do any events if nobody says yes? Mm-hmm. Like that's right. one of the big roadblocks. Right. Um, and I think also like building up our vendor network, I thought was going to be much harder, but then we were, you know, grassroots re- reaching out to people on Instagram, on Etsy, on Facebook, just any, giving away all the trade secrets, any, <laughs> any place that we could find hand makers, mm-hmm. we would say, Hey, this is who we are. This is what we do. Do you have any interest? Um, we got a lot of positive response where mm-hmm. I thought maybe we would be shut down a little bit more because we were new. We didn't really have any data. We didn't have any like true experience of running events um but people gave us a shot and they came to our events and we grew from there so i think both of those things like venues and vendors i thought would be much harder to build up that network and build up those event um spaces it was still hard though because it was grassroots it was hard it took a lot of time but i think it was easier than i expected it right and i think you know even if people were just being polite like maybe they weren't in the space to do events because that happens often Mm -hmm. where they're like hey i just had baby you know thanks for reaching out i can't or Mm -hmm. you know i don't do shows anymore i'm retired or you know i'm prepping for a really big show i don't have the capacity to do that you know they're all very nice in the in the process but i think it helps because then they know who we are they know the name Mm -hmm. and maybe it's two to five years later that we see them again but we do they come back and i think that's just like the really good like business people skill the importance of like really valuing where you came from and who's kind of helped you get to that point because if we didn't have that if we didn't you know constantly check in with people Mm -hmm. and like make sure they're okay and and even those people that we talked to like years ago we've kind of then maybe a couple years have passed and we have another event in their area and then Mm -hmm. we like reach out to them again and we're like hey just you know checking in like any interest now i think they remember that and appreciate that and it's not in an annoying way we're not messaging them weekly it's like two years later just being like hey you know what we're coming back to that area what do you think are you in a place now where you want to do it and i think they appreciate that they remember that and then people end up traveling for us and i think that is like probably one of the craziest things like getting people that come from colorado and maine um, and people, they haven't come to us in person, but we've connected with California makers. And to me, that's, that is like insane that, mm-hmm. you know, we, little us, like who are we? And, you know, here are these people. It's just really cool. I think that's the thing that has surprised me the most is how much communication happens within this community. Um, I knew that people would talk, but our name gets around so quickly because people, tell their friends about their good shows or they tell, you know, their friends about their good connections that they're making. Um, so we will hear from makers, you know, just today we heard from three different people that want to do our event on Saturday and they heard about us from somebody else saying, yeah. Hey, you should sign up. So that like word of mouth spreads like wildfire. Yeah. And I didn't realize how many makers have their own community of makers that all kind of, go in together and speak about shows and kind of try and figure things out together. 
that's like really cool. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that we're a part of that now. I think what surprises me the most is that even though we have a pretty big reach in the maker community, there are always new makers. Mm-hmm. There are always new people that we haven't met before. And that's crazy because it feels, sometimes it feels like we We've have, met everybody already? Kind of. Yeah. I know that sounds There's a weird. lot. When you think about how many people are in our network and how many people we've actually spoken to, it's like, yeah, how many more are there? <laughs> it sounds weird to say that, but like we would be doing this personally, like on a weekend anyway. Right. Like we've gone to, um, what's, I can't think of the name of the show now. It's not Granny's Attic, right? What's the one that was at the school? In- I was just thinking about that um, last weekend. Somebody asked me about Maybe it was made, high school shows, and I said Monmouth. that was so good. Remember. Was it Borden? Not Borden. Town. I don't remember. Anyway, we went to the one at the show, like yeah. the, the one at the show, the one at the school that a lot of our makers do, and we do frequent shows like that from time to time, and we'll walk by the booths and be like, "We know who that person is. We know who that mm-hmm. person is. We know who that person is." So it's kind of weird to me to then like realize there are new people because people are starting a new business every All year. The time. Um, you know, and I think Maplewood was a good example of that this past uh, May when we were there because they were doing their, I guess it was like a street fair. And though the majority of the vendors were like store owners that were there, woven in were some makers. And that's like where we found Defcon sauces. And now, you know, we've forged that relationship with John and it's yeah. exciting that we get to work with him at two events over the last two weeks. Um, so people, you know, then kind of are new to us, but then sign up for stuff. And maybe it's exciting for them too. I don't, you know, I don't know what their perspective is. To do something new, To be like, oh my gosh, you know, maybe they've heard of us, but never met us. And now they know us and like, yeah, I want to work with these people. Or maybe they just haven't met us and now, or haven't heard of us and now they have. So I think that's kind of cool and surprising. So wait, I'm curious, what would your answer be to the thing that you would, would be easier than you thought it would be? What has been surprisingly easy? Yeah. What would you say? Um, hmm. Or did I say it best? You probably did say it best. I think talking, like, as much as I can talk to people. You are a talker. I am a talker. I still get nervous as hell to do that. And I think being able to put together that elevator pitch and talk to people confidently Mm -hmm. has come a lot easier than I thought it would. Because... You think back to when we first started, like, what the hell did I know about this business? Right. You know, it was kind of just like... We had a lot to learn at that point, right. but now... But we had a vision and we... Yeah. We've never, like, overcommitted ourselves. We've always promised to do right by people mm-hmm. and that's what we... I think, like, that's where our heart is, the right? good intention. So there's always that good intention and, you know, we're the first ones to say, like, okay, we didn't get it right or, you know, okay, this is what we're going to do differently next time. We're always open to that mm-hmm. and I think... That's what keeps us honest and makes it easier to be able to say X, Y, and Z are definitely going to happen. A, B, and C might happen, you know, and go from there. And then because we're very honest in what we're presenting to people, it makes it, Why are you laughing at me? Because I'm it thinking about easier. like, it's not even like, okay, we'll make it better next show. There are shows that like something pops up and we're like, okay, we have to handle this now. Yeah. Like uh, when there were bees and we were just <laughs> buying fans to blow the bees away. Or like when we're at Westfield and there's not enough light, so we go and get these spotlights to then plug into the ceiling. Yes. Like in the middle of the show with a big ladder, like going up and plugging them in and then taking the ladder down while shoppers are there because we don't want to go a minute more with something that is less than ideal. Right. You know, so it's, it's even like in the middle of a show, if we see something that could be improved that we 
have control over, yeah. like we're going to do it. Right. And I think that's important as a business owner, like to think about what could you possibly change. And, you know, let's just, this kind of just popped into my mind, but let's say you have your Etsy shop and you send out an order and it's like, the customer received the order and for whatever reason they're not happy like what is the one how can you handle that Mm -hmm. instead of being very like reactive maybe take a step back and be like what are the three things i can do to fix this right now or one thing or you know whatever or sometimes they just want to they want to to be be heard heard. so it's like what do you think the best solution Mm -hmm. is for this and i think that's that's kind of how it's good that there's the two of us and that's actually one of my questions too it was like about having different perspectives i think thinking about Westfield, like we pay the lease for that, you know, we sign the lease for that store and we pay for that store. So it's almost like it's ours. It's Mm -hmm. like, it's our baby for that period. And you and I can, there's only so much we can plan for until the vendors are in their spots. And then it's like, well, now what? Mm -hmm. And then you and I are there and it's like, okay, well I'll stay here because one of us has to be here in the store physically, according to our lease, which one of us is running to Home Depot and like, what could we possibly get that would fix this? And you're absolutely right. Like you've never been afraid to get up on a ladder and just do that. Or I've been there until 2 a.m. decorating the walls and stuff like that just to make it look better or, you know, whatever we're doing that's just trying to make things right. Or, you know, talking to the landlord when we lock keys in, in, you know, the room and it's like Christmas Eve and we're just like, <laughs> no, we need to fix this, you know, and we're not going to just leave it and let it sit. We need to be on it. And yeah. what can we do to make it better? Yeah. Are you ready for another 100%. question? 100%. Yep. Where do we disagree the most, but maybe that's helpful because it gives us new perspective? Um, I don't know if it's disagreement, but I'm always in the camp of like, Everything will work out. Everything will be fine. Um, And you're always the one that's hyper aware and worried about if issues are going to pop up. Mm -hmm. So we don't align ever on those two things. But it gives us the perspective of like, these are the things that potentially could go wrong. Yeah. But there's always going to be a solution somewhere. And maybe we don't have to worry so much about it because we will figure it out. So I think we have that full scope within ourselves at any given time um, so that if there is a problem or if there is an anticipation of a risk, you know, we have it covered. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's a disagreement, but I definitely think it's important to, yeah. to be able to step back from any given problem and be aware of it and have some solutions for it. Right. And it's not necessarily like devil's advocate or being like the naysayer in everything, but it's, Having the perspective and past experience to know that things could go wrong. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be something that goes wrong. You know, it's just like planning a wedding, like, but like 24 weddings a year, you know, like thinking about that one thing that could go wrong. And, um, but it's also like having the vendors back because when we go into these partnerships with people who are bringing their respective puzzle piece to mm-hmm. this, a large scale event, they're not thinking about the vendors. They're thinking about, wow, your vendor market is really cool and we want to have that there. But they're not necessarily thinking about like, well, we're going to put the winery over here because mm-hmm. we don't want there to be a bottleneck. Like you said, like they don't think necessarily on that level because they haven't experienced it. And those are the things that we go to bat and say, well, you know, yes, that would be ideal to have like people lingering over here, but then those lines are blocking vendor booths. And so we don't want that. Or, you know... um, is there going to be light at a certain time? Where are the vendors going to park and how far away do they have to walk from? Because these are the things like 
that someone else would just say, well, what? I'm giving you a large parking lot. That's where the vendors are supposed to park. And it's like, yes, we appreciate that. But these are the things that we know from past experience are like, is it gravel? Is it concrete? Mm -hmm. Is it you know, just like these little things that maybe people don't realize that we give thought to and try to go to bat for so that we can make sure that people feel comfortable because the vendors are our customers and we need to make them happy too. And honestly, we do disagree on a lot of things, but I think we walk away with a, a better end result mm -hmm. in the process. You know, we're constantly challenging each other to be like, well, why do you think that we should do it that way? Right. Um, and then we will deliberate and figure out what works best for that situation. I think you can't be so rigid with, you know, a, a small business. And if you are kind of making calling all the shots yourself then it's like you're just going to keep going by the same rules right. and it's like well why do we have those rules in the first place and and is, is it really is, working yeah who is it serving and could we change it for this particular show or you know do we really need to make sure that we abide by this for that show you know like we try to make sure that we have a really good representation of our full network at our shows and that we don't have too many um, people that make something that might be seen as similar to one another and that sort of thing. So I think that's kind of where we have to, you know, we try to be more rigid. But then when we have bigger scale shows, it's like, well, t saying we're only going to have three jewelry people, does that apply to this one when we have 50 vendors? Like, you know, at what point do mm -hmm. you say, like, maybe it can flex a little? And I think it's very important that we do a lot of different types of events and we have a lot of different types of processes because we don't ever fall into like the same thing over and over and this is just the way it is and that's the way it's going to stay yeah. it's always new and fresh because we're always doing something different i think that would make our lives easier but i also it would get think boring you know just get, doing the same would, thing over and over boring and i think it doesn't give people a chance you know i think one of the things if i had to comment on like the behind the scenes that people don't realize um, it's that we try to give everyone a fair chance. And so for some of our shows, yes, we have the application process and we truly go by like the demographic and like what we know about that market and who's going to do well there. But some of the shows, um, or I'd say probably the majority of them, because they're not mm -hmm. all completely like application submitted three months ahead of time based. Some of them are like, you apply. If you're truly not a good fit, we refund you and that's done. First come, first serve. You know, but it is more of a first come, first serve where we're trying to give new people a chance. And I think that that sets us apart from some of the other shows that are out there where mm -hmm. people have been doing the show for 25 years and they know they're going to get their booth. And of course and we new have... makers can't get in to try it. We do have that loyalty, but we always try to figure out a way that we can have both things happen where mm -hmm. we have our people that we know are loyal to us and, and we're loyal to them, but also allow new people in. So, um, yeah, I think that that's kind of a behind the scenes thing that maybe people don't realize. So that that's my last question for you is like, what is probably the biggest behind the scenes thing that maybe the makers don't realize or the customers don't realize about what we do. How much time and, and how many <laughs> times you erase the layout <laughs> before we land on the layout for the event. Kim it has her pencil and her clipboard and I print out a mock, you know, blank map of the event and she'll go through every single maker and put them on the map and figure out, does this work or does this not work? Does this person need to be on a corner or not on a corner? Does it, they need to be, you know, near 
whatever it is. There's Water, so many power. There's their so friend. many different <laughs> variables <laughs> that we want to make sure that it's the best representation of everybody. Um, so we want to, you know, keep categories separate unless people ask to be together. Um, you know, have something where if we were the customers and we were walking into the event, what would we like to see? Yeah. You know, from a from a customer standpoint. So yeah, a lot of time goes into building those maps. Yeah, and it could be something as silly as like putting someone with something small near where there's going to be an exit or you know a long waiting period because that like small little item might be the thing that you buy while you're waiting in line for something you know Mm -hmm. you can quickly put it in your pocket versus something that's bigger or heavier probably toward an exit so that you can get it to your car and and do we have a hand truck with us because we need to make sure that we can help people get things to their cars um I think back to Winter Village when we were carting out furniture for people and we weren't sure how that was going to go. And I think furniture sold like one of the best at that show. So that was really interesting. Yeah, but think about it. We put that furniture vendor in two spots next to each other, next to the um, emergency exit. So we could bring the... Pop them out under the tent. And yeah, bring, bring the, the furniture out from the back and not dis- yep. disrupt any flow of people coming into the tent. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, who's going to be cold? Do they need to be by a heater? <laughs> like, these are the things that we Who stress about. Who has a about. medical condition that would make them, yeah. you know, and it's not like we're asking, like, no HIPAA violation, but if they've ever conveyed to us in the past that, like, they have a reason where they can't be near cold or whatever, like, that sticks in our minds. Yeah, and... if somebody has pottery, how flat <laughs> is the ground? Like, these are all the things that are going through our mind when we're placing Will people in the spots. Will the beer barrels roll past that mm-hmm. pottery person's display, and where should we put them? Yep. It's, so, it's just the things you learn over time, and I think it's true. Like, we really try to remember all of that. So if I don't remember your name, I'm sorry, but I definitely remember what you have and where to put you and why I have you in that spot. So, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Good well, questions. Yeah, thank you. It has been nice being on your show. Oh. <laughs> Um, so the last thing that I want to talk about is our upcoming event this weekend. Um, it's on Saturday. This is going live on Thursday. Um, but we're back at Sigmeister. And the best part of this event is... is the Pokemon, because you're a Pokemon The Pokemon. Yes. No, it's... I mean, <laughs> there are going to be Pokemon. There's five new beers for their fifth anniversary, and each one has a Pokemon card on it that they created themselves. Right, so they... So they, that's cool. Yeah, they created... So let me let me break this down into, like, non-Pokemon fan terms because I don't know much about Pokemon, but... It's a my, pocket monster. I know what that means. My understanding is that they've created their own Pokemon. Um, I think most, most, if not all, of the people that work at the brewery are of the generation who were Pokemon fans growing up. And for the five-year anniversary, they brewed five. Actually, it might even be six beers, which I kept thinking five for the fifth anniversary, but it might be six. Um, Six new beers, and each one has, like you were saying, a Pokemon associated with it. And they've created their own, the brewery has made their own Pokemon cards that go along with Mm -hmm. these beers. They've also created their own merchandise that goes along with these made-up Pokemon that... um, not that Pokemon aren't made up. They are. But now Zigmeister has also made their own Pokemon. Just call them Meistermon. Yes. And so this event is going to be different in that COVID shifted their entire tasting room outdoor. So they used their, essentially like the parking lot where we'd normally be, they used that now as like their outdoor beer garden space. But they happen to own another parking lot adjacent to the brewery 
where they're now closing the brewery for this event. The brewery is not going to be serving any beer. The, they're going to have two beer trucks in the lot where we are. They're going to have a stage with live entertainment. We're going to have food trucks and we're going to have all of our vendors. So it's essentially taking the entire process of the brewery and moving it down to this lot that's right next to the brewery. And then um, just the exit pattern is like through, and the bathrooms, right? Or mm -hmm. the, I know there's gonna be porta potties yeah. too. So if you've it's been to an event with us at Sigmeister, either for the pub crawl or their anniversary, or maybe even Mayfest, you know, something that was in the streets, we were usually fitting about 20 vendors in their normal parking lot. Mm -hmm. We're able to fit 40 vendors um, or more down in their lower lot plus the live entertainment, plus a couple of food trucks, um, plus the two beer trucks. And they're also, they've bought 200 barrels that they're using as high top tables in the lower parking lot as well. I don't think they bought them. I think that's what they use for their beer, They right? bought them. Oh, interesting. And they are selling them to customers. If you want to take home a fifth anniversary souvenir, cool. um, you can actually buy the table that you're standing at. Um, so that's really cool. Um, so it's a much bigger event than we, we are normally able to do there. Yeah. And that's the best part. And that's very exciting. We're still incorporating Hackettstown businesses, um, and we're bringing in some of our treat vendors that we don't normally have. So there's just more room overall to accommodate all the really cool stuff. Um, we've been getting a lot of calls today about that show, um, which is really nice. And, you know, it's nice when we're on the heels of a show that was in that area even though it was wine and jazz which is you know again a different demographic but i think it gives us that visibility in the area um even though we you know we work in that area a lot but i think when time goes by it's like oh yeah that's right them but now that we have been there like last weekend it's like oh yeah them i remember them from last weekend so um you know people have been calling and they're interested yeah. so here are the details sig meister's fifth anniversary on June 12th, it's a Saturday, from 12 to 8 p.m. Yep. Um, in Hackettstown. Yep. It's at um, 106 Valentine Street. Yep. 106, free, right? 106. And it's a free event. Um, you'll come to the brewery. They'll card you. You'll get tickets for your beer. And then you're going to have a blast. Or you can pre-order your tickets online so you don't have to order them in a line on the day of. Any questions, let us know. <laughs> Right. We hope to see you there. Whether you like Pokemon or not, it's still going to be a fun time, and we can't wait to celebrate. Yeah. And thank you so much for listening. This thank has been you. your episode.